Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Aisha Hannibal and Mary Ann Clements with us, and we are going to be talking about their new book, The Red Tents. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. Lovely to be here. Yeah. So I would love to know a little bit about um, each of you share a little bit about your background and maybe um, what drew you to write a book together. Go ahead, Aisha. (laughs) Okay, well, um, so I've worked in the charity sector for the last kind of 20 years now and um, in all different areas from kind of um, community, education, um, kind of frontline services for women. Um, But I I suppose the framing of my work is all around kind of creating resilient communities. Um, So that's kind of, we've brought some of those elements into the book. But that's a little bit about me. I'm also a mom. I've got two children, a little boy who's one and a girl who's four. Yeah, and so I'm Marianne Clements, as you said. Um, I do lots of different things in the world. And one of them for the last um, nine years now, we've been running a website together called The Red Tent Directory. And it's, it's, it's not been our main work. So I'm also a coach and facilitator. I work a lot in the international development space. But um, uh, the Red Tent Directory was something that we established together as kind of a voluntary project as a listing site for people to share their women's circles that were called Red Tents. And it started off just being like UK based because we're both in the United Kingdom. Um, And we had like five tents when we started 2012. Um, but over the years that's grown and we list tents now, um, we, we've moved to being all over Europe and now we list them anywhere in the world and um, we have over 200, I don't know the exact number right now. So the reason that we came together to write together was that um, there were things that um, we saw in the red tents that we've been listing Um, And a lot of the people that run them came to us to ask advice about things like starting a red tent or dealing with conflict when it arises in your red tent or um, how do I promote my red tent so that other other people, other women know that it's here. And so we felt like we'd been learning stuff both through the people we were engaging with, but also through our own experience in running and attending red tents ourselves. And we, about three years ago, we decided it was time to write some of this stuff down. And we um, decided to do it, including the stories from many other people in the, in the community of people that list on our website as well. So it wasn't just like our own voices, but um, a kind of collective of voices of people running red tent spaces. I think that's what made us decide to write together. We wanted to write a book that really weaves together voices from this kind of diverse group of people, um, mostly women, who were running red tent spaces um, and kind of document that and talk about what we saw working really well, um, what we thought was important for people running these spaces to think about. So that's how we came to write together, I think. I love that. And if people are listening and then you reference red tents and they're like, what, what is this red tents? So can you talk a little bit about what, what, what are red tents? Yeah, for sure. Maybe I'll begin and then I can hand out space to add, mm. add in some more color. Um, so I, um, I first heard about red tents from a woman called Elise Starkweather, who 
um, started something called the Red Tent Temple Movement. She's based in the US. And um, I, I met her through a, a women's program, women's initiation program called Women in Power. But she told us about the, this idea of red tents through that work. And the idea of red tents is, is, is one that other, other women have also held and shared. And it comes out of a novel by Anita Diamond called The Red Tent. And the novel is a historical fictional account of women in biblical times um, meeting in a red tent um, and a place where they can be together just as women in a pretty patriarchal community um, where they meet, where they bleed, where they meet when they're bleeding, but also when other other things are happening in their lives, and it kind of evokes this sense of women's shared community and support for one another, and has inspired in many people the the idea of setting up these spaces, which are then often called red tents, which essentially are women's circles that usually meet each month, either on the new or uh, full moon or actually they could meet any time but there's this regular rhythm with them um, and what we talk about in the book is that these are, are kind of community-based spaces and we talk about them as a collective space that can be created in a community that's maybe different from other offerings for women in that it's free or donation-based and it's kind of co-created and that's the that's the kind of model of red tents that we describe in quite a lot of detail in our book is is them as, as something that's a bit different to other work with women like you know workshops and things that might talk about cycles or talk about our lives which are also really valuable but we think of red tents as slightly different in that way and Aisha maybe let me let you add well I think you've answered that really beautifully and and kind of communicate a lot about you know our vision as well of how we see red tents and I mean essentially we, we wanted to kind of um, talk about red tents in the context of um, the wider world and so you know we were we were looking at why do women want to go to red tents why is there a need for kind of a refuge or a place to um, to connect with each other and so you know a lot of the framing in the book is talking about the um the oppressive structures of patriarchy we talk a lot about white supremacy we talk about um colonization and kind of the the history and what that has um removed from people's lives and and where the the longing might come in for a lot of white and colonized cultures to 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 seek out spaces that um create some kind of connection to um a, a sense of community that perhaps has been lost so so you know we we think that you know within the society we, we're in that for women there isn't that much kind of space so red tent is almost like like a bit like a mini day off or an opportunity to slow down the pace to take off all of the roles to to take off the the constant need to be doing and um, caring and working and whatever those things are and to just kind of be in a place where you can rest and and check inside to see how you are and and get a sense of as those months go by and you have that monthly moment to to slow down um, like you can be replenished and and that can offer something more when you go back into the world and and essentially that we 
we want women to be fortified so that we can start to dismantle some of the oppressive systems that we see by by creating new systems creating systems that are liberatory um, and where we can bring our whole selves i love that i would love to know um you know before we kind of go into like the present what they look like can either of you speak about, I know you touched a little bit about it, Marianne, with the, with the history of red tents. So can you tell a little bit more, you know, they, where they came from and, um, you know, why they were started and maybe if either of you know, kind of why they stopped or why they weren't maybe as popular until I know the last probably a few years. Mm. Yeah. So, so what we think is that, you know, maybe um, there, there have been ways in many different cultures um, in, in human history of women meeting in groups um, over time, but we don't know of a specific lineage or origin that this modern idea of red tents is really like building on. So although we, we know that in many cultures there are ways in which women meet and support each other maybe regularly come together what people are doing in red tent gatherings like contemporary red tent gatherings is is really kind of co-creating a kind of emergent space um, for we, we talk about ritual but in a very simple sense of some things that we we do together that help mark out our time um, and we talk about as Aisha's already said about like resting together, sharing more of ourselves. And we have um, a, a, a way that we talk about um, how you can come into a space like a red tent and share what's going on for you without feeling like you have to be fixed or like people are gonna like try and sort you out or ask you lots of questions about it, but rather creating a space where you can be witnessed and heard and, and not necessarily, um, that, that not necessarily having immediate consequences, but more enabling you to kind of share more of yourself and get more in touch with where you're at on a regular basis. And so I think that what's happening in red tents that have sprung up in different places since um, the book was published, which I think I'd have to check, I think my the mid 1990s and the Diamond's book was published I think the the red tents that have sprung up in different places since then are really kind of a, a, a sort of hybrid or new form of something that we we many of us feel has probably been there in the past and as Aisha talked about perhaps has been suppressed by white supremacy culture, we, you know, and, and is more present in many indigenous communities around the world. But what people are doing in, in kind of contemporary red tents is, is not like, uh, doesn't have a direct lineage to things that were there in the past, but rather it's like creating something um, that, that we can participate in. Um, and we talk quite a lot in the book about that and how people have been creating their own practices and rituals that help frame their time together. I and mean, there's lots of examples of what different groups are doing. Um, and so it's quite important to us that, um, that we see that not as like trying to replicate an ideal from the past, but more as like um, a way to create something in the present that meets women's needs in this time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's, um, you know, the piece about the the coaching or just going there to just be heard. I think that's 
so important. Um, that's one of the things that I've done with my, you know, the moon circles with the wild woman project. And, um, that's sometimes the first time people have been in that space where you can just share. Cause often I think maybe we, as women, or just as you know, our society, we tend to want to coach people instead of just saying, you know, I just want to just share this, get this off my chest. I just want to be witnessed instead of coached along those lines. So I think that's definitely something mm. that, um, is a wonderful experience if no one's had that before. Mm. And I also think that there's, I, you know, I, I think that, like we said, it's, you know, you're showing up in a, in a different way. There's that opportunity that you have to, to speak and be heard, but also that um, when someone wants to fix you, there's, it's almost like there's something broken. Mm. And, and actually what we're, what we want to kind of um, invite people to do is to um, to to see all of their lived experiences as having a valid place and being able to share those and that and that people will will hear them and respect them and for the, the freedom to take up space and say whatever you want to say and and I also think that on the other side there's this need sometimes that women feel within society that they need to be doing something in order to kind of have value or be worthy uh, of being of just being present so there's there's kind of that invitation for both people to um to be able to bring all of themselves and also for another person to not have to jump into that um how can I help you and actually just sit with the emotion that's that's conveyed and um having a shared silence I think can be a really powerful way of connecting so so there's there's possibly a lot going on in seemingly when you know it maybe doesn't look like much is going on and I think that's kind of the the beauty underneath these kind of ways of connecting I love that and I love that the silence piece because that is um, sometimes we just want to fill it up instead of just being in it. So that's the beautiful. Um, I know one of the things and one of the key topics in your book is about creating an equitable space. So could you share a little bit more about, you know, how your, you know, red tents do this and how people can start to maybe invite this in or how maybe we could be approaching this better? Mm. Well, maybe I could start off and then and then Marion, you can you can come in too. Um, <clears throat> what what we wanted to convey in the book is that um, that red tents are an opportunity to reimagine um, how we want to kind of be in community and create community. And and part of this kind of framing we talk about of um, <clears throat> looking at what what does society look like right now? You know, what what is needed in the world and for us that um, we feel that that red tents um, have have this potential um, 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 amazing place to um, to dismantle oppressive systems by creating liberatory spaces or liberatory systems to in their place to put in their place and so we we look quite in, in detail at all the different reasons that um, that people may feel excluded. So we've really kind of, in a way, as as white women, um, we've looked at how um, our privilege and and what that privilege looks like, and then looked at how often we are 
we're in spaces where a lot of people excluded and that has become normalized and so we really wanted to dismantle um, all of the privileges including looking at the gender binary and you know we're very aware of our own privilege of um, feeling comfortable in in the gender binary um, and that we wanted to look at gender as as a social construct and and that's kind of led to a lot of our understanding um, to make really clear that red tents are spaces that are inclusive and they are inclusive of cis women of trans women of people who are gender expansive and so we really wanted to look at kind of this this way of when we say everyone is welcome when we say all of you is welcome to really kind of look in detail at what that meant and we also look at um, race and anti-racist practice we look at class and access to resources we look at age and the ways that red tents can be intergenerational spaces but as well creating spaces for particular age groups like young younger people and girls or um, older people um, to connect in those ways um, we look at language and how that can really looking at how you communicate things um, we looked at mental health and well-being so loads of things we just wanted to really explore what inclusive actually means because I think that sometimes we we use these terms um, and we think by using the terms we're doing the work but we really wanted to invite people to also do the work so that's we go into quite a lot of detail about that. Yeah and the, the thing that I would add really is that we do go into lots of detail about it in the book and we really want to invite people into an inquiry about how they're running spaces and what 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 inclusion really means in them and what that means as well is that though the book has lots of ideas and references and uh, examples it also doesn't give you like just a kind of cookie cutter answer <laughs> to because they're you know there are complex and difficult questions about how we make community spaces inclusive in a world in which you know the oppression of patriarchy and that's where we started from when we began to write but then we also realized that um that uh that, that many of the spaces that that women had created were kind of created for for other women that looked like them and so we realized that there was a sort of need to unpack some of these other privileges and ways in which oppression was showing up in in red tent spaces and we and we and we found a number of people who were running them slightly differently and interviewed them for the book so that we could expand people's thinking but we also offer in the book lots of reflection questions because we think like um unpacking what oppressive systems look like in a in a space like a red tent and coming to different practices is more of a journey than a kind of tick box you know and so we think that a lot of the time um it, it involves a process of reflection on how you're running your space and although the actions to change that may be simple there's also there's also something about looking at where we're missing things where we have blind spots where we're not thinking about who might be able to access our space, how we're promoting it, how, how the space is run so that it feels like really everyone is welcome. Um, so, so I think the book is intended, unfortunately, not to just give you an answer for that, but more to kind of take you on a journey of reflection 
so that you can think about how um how 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 a space can become more liberatory and 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 less re, you know be less re- reproducing um the oppressive systems that are around us in 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 our societies so i hope that that's what the book helps people to do <laughs> yes i love that the reflection piece because that is i mean everyone has we're all different and we all have different ways and um strengths and so i think that's a great a great point to just say like there is no checklist it is about you doing you know your own work and reflecting on the things that you probably bring forth in this book so I would love to know because the zoom you know I here we're still kind of in the states some in person but not really events yet so the red tents have they been now online this past year and I would love to know kind of feedback on people because sometimes I was hesitant um, in the beginning to put my moon circles online because I'm like, well, is it, is it going to lose that pizzazz? Um, so I would love to hear kind of mm. what, what you both have learned from that. Yeah, I can say a few things about it. Um, yeah, so a number of red tents have gone online and others haven't so much. <laughs> so there's, you know, there's been a variety of experiences amongst the different communities that we're connected to through the directory. I think what people have found is that it is possible to create a space online that feels nourishing and supportive but that it requires us to do it a bit differently um, from how we might run a zoom meeting and now we're also used to zoom meetings or teams meetings or whatever other video meetings we have for work there's that risk that we might run our red tent a bit like that excuse me but um what where it's been working well what we see people doing is really creating that space in the same way that they might have created it in their home or in a community space so really allowing people time to arrive maybe still lighting a candle but just you know obviously doing it in their own space and showing it to other people still having a space where people can share and and leaving space between and creating a kind of online version of ritual and we've done that with our with the 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 directory team that we have who help us run the listing site as well so we've created an online space for ourselves monthly that runs in that sort of way so I feel like there's there are different qualities to online spaces that you can create with tools like Zoom and for me the learning of this past year has been that if you create them with the same intention that you might have created an in-person space then it is possible to create connection across across virtual connections but that you really do have to pay attention to that and it doesn't just happen you know magically without without you doing that you know that it isn't it isn't um automatic just because you call it a red tent you really have to like uh think about think that through I don't know Aisha if you've got anything to add well I think um I think it you know it's a tricky time at the moment and I I almost I feel like with this this sense of separation that people have had and and possible some level of isolation that um you know as we transition perhaps being more in contact face to face as well um that people can can use the book hopefully as almost the intention they want to bring to that when we when we come back into relationship with each other so I think 
we do talk in the book a little bit about online and and how that's possible as Marianne said and and the agreements that need to be in place and the ways of kind of um holding that that conversation and holding that silence and and all of those things that that come into a red tent um but also the you know we hope that there will be a time when we can meet in per in person and that in a way it's a perfect opportunity to to have that moment of pause and that reflection and to really um think about what we want to bring into the world um and what you know what community looks like now and i think that we've we've learned very much over this last year that community is so essential you know it's really foundational to be able to um have support that is beyond you know the the walls that you live in and um to be able to reach out and for other people to reach out and know that they're going to be met so i feel like there's a lot of ripples with red tents you know it'd be hard to even map um the impact that that people can have from having those times to to meet with people and to to share and be in connection and I think over this last year that for the red tents that have continued online they've really they've they've needed to be in contact in that way um as people have gone through all kinds of personal and community and societal challenges yeah and one thing i've noticed here in the uk um it's now possible to meet outside. Well, in actually, I should say in England, because different in Wales where I usually is, I think. But um, it's for a week or two now. It's been possible to meet outside. You can't meet inside at the moment unless it's you know for, unless you're under certain bits of the regulations. But I've noticed some red tents already beginning to have like small outdoor meetings. You can have six people at the moment. So it just shows you that um, whilst there is some power in the online meeting that there are also uh, red tents really eager already to um, to meet in person again. <laughs> I love that. And if people are listening, um, I kind of have two questions. One for the the leader side, like what makes a good leader, you know, of the red tent? And then on the flip side, if someone wants to participate or go to red tents, is it best that they kind of commit to maybe one circle and go each month? Or how can people best kind of use a red tent to help them um, expand in whatever area they would like to well yeah thank you for asking about that because we you know what one of the things that we we talk about as you know we said a little bit about about having these kind of community leadership having shared leadership and and part of that is about you know if for myself when I first set up um a red tent now kind of nine ten years ago um I I wanted to set up a red tent because I wanted to be in a red tent, you know, and, and yet, you know, if you do, if you take on something like this, then there is a certain amount of kind of organizing that takes place and, and, um, things to consider. Um, so I was really fortunate because I knew some other excellent people, um, in the area who wanted to do, who, who wanted to, to bring the red tent to life with me or I with them. And so we, we kind of held it together. We organised it together. We discussed things. We 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 did this in a structure of a circle. So we were we were kind of holding this wider circle of red tents, but organising it also in the in the same reflective structure. And what we found is that, um, and we've also seen through our 
our red tent directory listings is that a lot of the red tents that continue and are sustainable long term is because they are held by a number of people. So we really wanted to kind of, in a way, explore that a little bit through the book and and see why that was working like how can we be in relationship with each other and lead together and to do that we we've really thought about what does leadership look like because um when we talk about shared power um we have to really understand what power is and what um and how people can bring all kinds of different elements their own qualities and characteristics their experiences um and through that kind of shared knowledge something can be formed together so we we've looked at um in particular how um how coming together to, to share leadership means that people can step forward or step back, that it's almost this opportunity of learning that people can um, bring to their wider world and their wider life. Um, and at the same time, we wanted to help people to not replicate some of the hierarchies and power dynamics that they might find within society and not replicate those within their red tent spaces. So it's, all of it's quite intentional in terms of how people can lead together. But essentially what it comes down to is that we don't want women to kind of be in this kind of giving, over giving and then burnout model. We wanted things to be, we want to model a way of um, bringing parts of ourselves, everyone having the opportunity to kind of offer something and then create something together and that being more resilient because of it. Yeah, and then totally <laughs> agreed. <laughs> and then I wanted to just pick up on your other question about like how, you know, if someone's looking for a, a tent space, I think like we, we have envisioned these spaces as community spaces that um that that you kind of go to on a regular basis and so I guess my invitation would be that to look for to either create if you can't find one or to look for a space near you and that's why we created the red tent directory um in 2012 was because we knew that people were creating these spaces and maybe not knowing about each other and not finding each other um, so, so I think my invitation would be to create a space that, that, that you feel you can create or find a space that you feel you can go to on a regular basis. The same time, obviously, you might go to a red tent and find that's not the space for you, like, and, and red tents are different, you know, like they share some characteristics and then people run them differently and they feel different and all of that. And so I wouldn't also want to say, like, if you've been to one and you don't like it, well, that's it, you know. So obviously, you know, if if there are, if you can find a few near you, by all means, try them out. Um, but I think our, our, our vision is very much that these are community spaces that people engage with over a period of time, over a long period of time, maybe that, that kind of hold them through their lives and which, as Aisha said, you know, we can be part of both leading and receiving from, you know. So I think um, for that to work well, then, you know, at least the core of people have to be committed to a space for a period of time. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would add. 
And if someone wants to connect with um, a red tent, can you share the best way for people to kind of connect with both of you and to find a red tent? Sure. So the site that we have is the redtentdirectory.com. Um, there are also um, a few other websites that list some tents. I think, um, Aisha, can you remember the details of um, Isadora's site? Because that has some that we don't have, right? Um, yeah, so it's the things we don't talk about, the, the film about red tents. Um, and there's a number of listings there and a lot in, um, in America. So, um, and I think that really one of the things we, we say is that it, it could be a red tent or it could be called something completely different. So, you know, we, you know, we believe in kind of the connection of, of women's circles. So we also, we list within our site um, a number of different kind of names, <laughs> whatever people have, have felt works for them to, to kind of, you know, frame what they're doing. Um, but yeah, the, the main place is for uh, on our website, redtentdirectory.com. Yeah, one thing just to add on what Aisha said that we're really clear about is that um, people come to us and ask to list their red tent and, you know, within some parameters, we usually say yes. And then, um, but we're not, it's not like they're affiliated to us or that we are like um, vouching for them. So we're just creating a listing space where people can come and share their women's circle. Like she said, it may or may not be actually called a red tent, but as long as it meets regularly um, and it's free or donation based, we generally will list um, list those and so it, it's something about um, uh, people then following up with the person that runs it and finding out if it's the right space for them taking responsibility for that also and then obviously you can also find our book <laughs> um, uh, so it is published by Womencraft Publishing who are in Ireland um, and they have it on their website but it's also on Amazon and Kobo and Barnes and Noble and kind of coming to a bookseller near you if it's not there already and we're on Facebook as the um, Red Tent Worldwide Community and on Instagram as the Red Tent Directory as well so people can connect with us through those spaces and we take questions through those social media spaces as well often people say I'm looking for a red tent I'm an ex person someone else in our community will know of something even if it's not yet listed on our website as well so that resource is there for people also I love that well I have just one final question for both of you and you can decide either separately or together but I always like to throw out a weekly challenge to end the podcast and when I have a guest on I have the guests throw out the challenge. So I would love for either one of you or both of you to throw out a weekly challenge for the upcoming week. I had one. I don't know if you've got one, Aisha. <laughs> I'm just so pleased. This is the, the beauty of doing things together and being <laughs> like sharing leadership, sharing co-authoring a book, sharing project work is you don't have to always have all the answers. So go ahead, Mary, and I don't have one. <laughs> So thinking about our book and how much it focuses on co-leadership and co-creation, I wanted to throw out the challenge of what's one thing in your life that you could co-create with someone else? And it doesn't have to be a red tent or a community space. It could be anything, right? But what's one thing in your life that you could co-create? <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you. I don't think we've had that in... I think I've had my podcast for four years. First time for that one. So that's very good. Cool. 
Uh, well, thank you both for coming on and sharing with us about your book. I'm super excited. I've browsed through it. So now I'm excited to like really dive into it. So thank you both. You're so welcome. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. yeah thank you so much. Thank you everyone and go out there and spread your peaceful power. <laughs>